Welcome to Orion Valley. Hello, I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies. Today, we travel to Vienna in Austria to talk about a piano teacher who falls in love with one of her students. I'm joined by my special guest, Rihanna Henson, to talk about Michael Heineke's The Piano Teacher. So before we get started, two things. One, uh, apologies to the listeners if my voice is not up to par. Um, it's a my throat hurts just a little bit, but not enough to make me stop recording. So we're going to keep on going. And also, fun fact, this is the second time that we're recording this um, episode. A few weeks ago, we tried to do it, but now I got a new computer, so uh, we're we're trying it again. So hopefully this goes well. How are you, Rihanna? I'm good. How are you, Josh? Um, my, my throat hurts a little as well, but like you said, not to stop recording. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. We'll just take it a little bit easy. But our feelings obviously will not be affected by it. <laughs> I'm curious to know why. Why? So this obviously was your choice. Uh-huh. What is it about this movie that kind of sticks out in your mind? <sighs> Nothing. It's weird. It's hard to pinpoint something that actually happens in the film that sticks out to me in like the visual sense or a certain scene. But what sticks out to me is the experience that I feel every time I watch it. Because I've seen it like four or five times now over the course of like five years. And I walk away with a different interpretation and a different understanding or like loose understanding each time. Mm. And that always sticks out to me because every time I go in to rewatch it, I kind of have like... um a point of reference in my mind like okay well this is how i felt last time yeah about x y and z in this movie how am i going to feel this time or is it even going to change yeah it seems like it it's one of those movies that i mean it you can look at it it's, it's, it's all in french and you know you could probably look at it and just be like oh it's one of those like french cinema because like i mean i had never seen a french movie before a, a one that's entirely in french and before i saw this movie and mm-hmm. i i guess in my ignorant mind i kind of had that thought where it was like oh, okay it's just going to be kind of one of those like you know avant-garde you know french, but like no there's actually something like really deep and personal about this movie that oh, yeah. um, that i love and when did you first see it I was probably 13, I believe. So that had to have been like, well, seven years ago. It's an interesting movie to watch as a (laughs) (laughs) 13-year-old. Well, the thing about that is I had seen Funny Games, Mm -hmm. which is, you can definitely still tell it's the same director, but um, content-wise, it's very, very different. Funny Games is a lot more um, Uh thriller-esque, I'd say. And, you know, with the adrenaline that comes from thriller movies, you're like, oh, I want more. So after reading about this movie, um, reading vague descriptions, I thought, all right, maybe it would it would be something like totally like crazy and off the wall. And as a 13 year old just looking for, I don't know, like the thrill seeking part of movies. Yeah. um, I decided to give it a watch and it totally subverted my expectations, but in a great way. And it was something that I kind of uh, compartmentalized. It's just like, oh, yeah, it is still like a crazy movie, but not the way that I thought. 
But when I got older and gave it a couple more rewatches, like you said, looking deeper, it's not just like, a, oh, avant-garde. It's like actually a really personal film, especially considering the source material. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I mean, from what I know about funny games, it seems like um, they're both, I mean, I guess if you want to compare the two from what I know about them, it seems like they're both very like heavy movies. They're very hard hitting. Oh, whereas like, I mean, funny games is much more, like you said, a thriller and it's like, um, physically kind of disturbing, mm-hmm. whereas this movie is very like emotionally disturbing. Yeah, which you know obviously is a is a very are two kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Michael Heineke does it um, really really well in this movie. And this when I was watching this movie, it was interesting because I had I had to watch it in um, increments, uh-huh. not not by choice, but by circumstance. And I um, I got like fifteen minutes in or like thirty minutes in the first time. And it was already like, all right, I'm I'm in. Like, I want to see not just with this movie. It's, it was like I literally just want to see everything this director does. Mm. And now I want just want to go back and like watch all like his entire filmography. Um, and when I finished it, I was just blown away. And I think that this movie, um, what grabbed me about it is the way that it is directed. Um, I think mm-hmm. Michael Heineke is a master of cinema. He reminds me of. We talked about this um, recently that like. If you look at it, he kind of feels like it's directed by Paul Thomas Anderson more recently. Like, yeah. if you look at Paul Thomas Anderson's filmography, his first three movies, Heart Eight, Boogie Nights, and Magnolia, all feel like very fast-paced, the big epics, but they're very moving. Um, but then he does, like, Punch Drunk Love, and everything after that is kind of a slower, methodical, um, natural feeling to it. Mm-hmm. And that's what this movie felt like to me. Every single thing that happens in this movie is... Um, it's for a bigger reason. It's well thought out. Um, the uh, the timing of it all, the each shot like is goes on for just as long as it needs to, and there are some long shots in here, but it's for great effect. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like uh, there's like a moment wasted, and everything just feels so real and natural to the actors. Um, and I, I it was unlike um like many movies that I had seen recently, and I was I was happy that you know that i could like actually like just like find it i am too i'm i'm glad that it is available for streaming it's uh-huh. in the criterion collection and like you said about the actors i believe that um i know isabel hooper hooper i i, I, I always just heard it as hubert hubert um i believe she won uh like the highest praise at Cannes. yeah this movie like acting. swept the the can film festival with uh it won best best film, best um, actor, and best actress um, for for her and the uh, the guy who plays um, oh, what's his name Walter, Walter right? Yeah, I, I can't remember the actor's name, but yeah, he they they all won, which doesn't happen very often. I I think Can had to um, like like make their... a rule that one single film can't win everything. Yeah, <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah, like this movie like changed the game because of that, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is which is really cool to. Uh, to think about um yeah when the grand prix is both hubert and uh, Beno, uh magamel they both won uh this movie came out in 2001 and it was based on a novel that well, was released in um, 1983 and obviously is a very uh seems very controversial like a novel that comes out in 1983 with this kind of material seems very uh, something that would kind of raise eyebrows. Definitely, and I think it was written by a woman too. Uh, yes, it was. Um, Ilfred uh, 
I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Something French. Yeah. And semi-autobiographical, I believe, which, again, knowing that and then watching the film, you're like, I don't know, affected so much more personally. Yeah. It goes so far beyond, like, watching these super highbrow people do crazy things and more, like, really digesting it and considering it. Do you know anything about how that book differs from the movie? Um, I believe that the language in the book is a lot more, um, not tense, but you get the feeling more of, like, rush and adrenaline and, like, quick, 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 because especially without going into specific scenes, especially during certain scenes, the language in the novel versus how it's shot in the film gives such a different feeling because... I I think you brought this up, but lots of long shots yeah. in the film, lots of static shots. And considering the source material, if it was adapted by a different director, I think it could have been adapted a lot closer to the book and then felt completely different. It would have felt almost more, um, not necessarily exploitive, but I think it, it would have taken away again that to use the word personal again that personal feeling that you get because if you're reading a book and you know it's semi-autobiographical you're able to consider that no matter what kind of language the author is using i feel Uh but with a movie like knowing or not knowing that it's even based on a book because i didn't know that it was based on a novel until the second time i saw it you you kind of make your own interpretation so i think uh michael haneke played it just completely right with what he did and how he chose to shoot the film. Uh-huh. And again, when we get into talking about specific scenes, I can bring up more specific examples. No, yeah, yeah, I, I understand. So like you said, it was based on a book. Um, overall, it has... Um, uh, he got Isabel um, Huber to uh, be in this movie because she was in... Um, she wanted, He had talked to her about being in Funny Games, mm-hmm. um, but she couldn't because of conflict and he said that he wouldn't do Heineke would not do piano teacher without her um so he like clearly had his heart set it's kind of like you know the Darren Aronofsky wanted Mickey Rourke to be in the wrestler yeah this is like you know his moment he needed he needed her to do it. and she uh actually you know was a kind of she studied piano like she played the piano as like as a kid and that's her playing in the film also yeah she she like took up more lessons to she stopped when she was like 15 and so she needed like more lessons again to like uh to to get the muscle memory back Mm -hmm. um but her her playing i mean is really really good it's beautiful so i think it's a good that they got her to do it but also because her um just she's a great actress and i think she was just perfect for the role this is another really good like very well casted uh movies very well cast movies like every single actor kind of brings their a game and -hmm. brings something different for the table and it's it's just a different movie that we don't see very often uh, right now, and even though it came out in like you know two thousand one, it's just it. I think it's still. Uh, I just think more people should see it. You know. I agree. It has a seventy two percent on Rotten Tomatoes based on eighty three reviews, and uh, Roger Ebert gave it three and a half stars. Um, out, of, out of five, out right? of four, <laughs> Ooh, I believe. Yeah, out of four. It's a. It's interesting because not a lot of people, um, a lot of people kind of get turned away by foreign films in general 
because mm-hmm. they don't like the idea of subtitles or not seeing a movie where they don't really recognize anybody. Yeah. Um, and I think French cinema has kind of gotten this bad rap. Obviously, I've I've kind of proved it that like <laughs> it seems very kind of like pretentious or it's very just like way too out there for anyone to like. Mm-hmm. But this is a much more, I guess, for lack of a better term, a much more American indie French film kind of. It just because like there are independent films like that are made in America that are um, kind of in the same vein as this, and this is not like your traditional um, like what you would expect from a French movie. Because I think this is one story, just the story in general is something that can be universally related to. It's not it's not limited or specific to being in France, other than obvious. Or it takes place in Austria, but they speak French. But that's the only kind of thing that like. Is they just they speak French, mm-hmm. but this this story honestly, if it played out exactly as it is, could take place anywhere. I feel. I agree. Uh, and I, but I think a lot of people could look at this movie and just be like, "Oh, it's it's way too boring. <laughs> I don't really care. These people are terrible. I don't like any of this." Or it didn't meet my expectations of like what you expect from yeah. just reading those tags of okay romance drama uh-huh. character study you know sexual movie you oh, know, yeah. something like that and it does like it does kind of throw you for a loop because if you do if you go in thinking that yeah you're going to be um incredibly disappointed but you i think i enjoyed the fact that i went into this movie you know completely blind other than that i mean the the poster for the movie is a is a screenshot from the bathroom scene where uh, you know they're on the ground and they're they're kissing so you just assume that it's going to be like oh, okay it's just a drama about like a relationship or something like that and mm-hmm. the, the the piano this piano teacher is probably going to fall in love with one of her students just like by the the title or something like that and the kind of context clues from movies that we've seen before yeah um but it is a deeply uh disturbing movie not in like um like it's not like a horror movie disturbing it's kind of like it gets in your head a little bit um to think about like your emotional experiences yeah and how you've been in like relationships and whatnot and i think that that's kind of a like one of the biggest praises that i think that this movie brought yeah i agree and i think it's disturbing too and how it forces you to consider your role as the viewer um again without getting into specific scenes or spoilers there are sequences in the film where and this seems to be a trend for Michael Haneke films. You're like, why really? Like, am I actually watching this? It's good, yeah. but like, what what makes me love it so much? And I think whereas so many filmmakers can just make something that they know is wonderful and great and be like, go enjoy it, consume. Michael Haneke directs in such a way where everything is drawn out not to the point where it's boring but you're really faced with like this is the reality of what you're watching yeah. and this is what it would be like in real life yeah exactly you're you're forced to watch and it may be extremely uncomfortable but you're supposed to feel that way especially with his long takes again that yeah, feeling of there's being a lot forced of really there's a lot of really good long takes in here the, the cinematographer is um christian berger he did a fantastic job i mean the combination of him the performances and michael heineke together these are just like the like a just powerful powerful people at the height of their careers um just all intertwining and making this like this beautiful movie it was just i think it just was the right time for it to to be made and i'm i'm happy it did obviously um and i think also the idea that the the fact that it won so many awards it can mm-hmm. kind of gives it more a little bit more of a voice 
over here in America too. Because I mean, we see that a lot when, the, like the Cannes Film Festival or the Venice Film Festival, um, when those go up, we can kind of predict the movies that are kind of going to be big Oscar contenders a little bit, or at least you you kind of can not fully, but you can uh, like see what's what's coming and what you need to watch out for. And I think that obviously, if this one um, kind of changed the way that can thinks about movies or awards movies yeah then it's already kind of made its mark yeah i'm not sure if it got any attention for the uh, academy though not that i know of no that's a shame it's a, it's a very big shame um it did get a bafta nomination for uh best film not in the english language so i mean that's something but still it's not mm. it's not what you um you want and you want it to get a little bit more so i think this movie is incredibly underrated opening of this movie this the opening scene of this movie is incredible the um, we meet isabel huber's character her name is um erica and she is coming home i wasn't 100 percent sure like this uh, i mean the opening just kind of throws you in you're kind of forced to like kind of put the pieces together in your head of what you're watching yeah i mean like she comes home and uh, she lives with her mother um who doesn't have a name she's just like the mother and they have like an argument about like you know where she was and she bought this dress and i guess they're like having money issues yeah they're paying off an apartment right and just everything that happens in it is so like this is kind of, i think this is kind of like the fastest moving part of the whole the whole movie it's like the, okay it, it kind of they go from like room to room you know you start in the the entrance then you go to the kitchen and then you go to the bedroom and then she's like throwing her clothes out and it's just like mm-hmm. it is so fast and you're just like oh my god this is the lives of these like you're just like kind of thrown into the lives of these two people who like this this is just how they live like this you have to put yourself in their world in order to be um to get the rest of the movie it's clear that they have immense difficulties living with each other yeah it's so upset domestically and i almost felt like kind of like a a peeping Tom. I don't know. That's kind of an ironic term to use considering later parts of the movie. But I felt like I was watching something that I shouldn't be privy to. Yeah. You know? you, you feel uncomfortable when you're watching it because it's like, okay, I mean, we've, I mean, anyone who's been in a situation where two people are arguing and it's not like, it's not like playful arguing. It's like legitimate, like arguing. She's and like, striking her mother. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just like not, yeah, you feel like you're like a third third party and you just like you don't want to be here to watch it you know <laughs> and it's also interesting because then even like automatically it kind of makes you reflect on yourself and like okay what experiences have i had yeah have with I ever... my with my family or whatever yeah have i ever been that mad but would i ever do that oh yeah like... and they're like yelling at each other and it goes on for like five minutes it, and... it goes on it feels way longer <laughs> oh yeah it, it, but it is like it is fast moving Mm-hmm. It, but it is just like it, it, you can't it's another one of those things it's kind of like you just can't take your eyes off of it just because of how well crafted each shot is and mm-hmm. how the camera moves the camera moves when it needs to and it stays still when it needs to like there's mm-hmm. really great uses of pans and then just like the still shot of the end where they're like crying and hugging it's like oh my god this is a very very like messed up relationship but it yeah. sets up the rest of like this idea that I mean, I think someone could look at this intro and be like, okay, they're going to be the main conflict or main relationship that this movie's going to focus on. And it isn't, but it's a 
Um, it's a big one to think about, like, okay, this is the life of this woman. She has difficulty connecting with people, and she has, just because she's lived with her mother and kind of grown up with, like, this reminds me of a lot of, like, like my mom mm-hmm. and her mom uh, and my grandmother. They're, um, it, it's interesting because they, you know, the, she lives just, like, right near us, and so we've grown, they've grown up. Uh, like my mom has grown up with um with her mom for like forever mm-hmm. and you can see how like certain things of her teachings as a as a child have kind of um like gone away or that what my mom didn't like or yeah. how they like kind of could like drive each other crazy or like whatever and uh it's it, it it is a really good scene to just kind of make you think back and be like okay i can i can see this at this point in my life or but it's the main purpose of it is to be like this is what you're going to see for 2 hours get used to it now because it's only going to get worse from here yeah and it's also a wonderful way to establish erica's character because she instantly goes from furious enough to be hitting her mother which i think most people would be like who could ever do that yeah and then instantly like crying and regretful yeah and she's clearly very emotionally unstable yeah and (laughs) not only do they live together but like they live together i actually i i rewatched it two days ago but i can't remember if it's in the opening scene that they show that not only do erica and her mother share a bedroom but they have two twin beds that are pushed together like needlessly yeah what and they have another bedroom like they don't need to have that sleeping arrangement but they do and the film doesn't really go into why that's a thing. Yeah, but I th- I like that they don't really mention that because I think that that's kind of a visual cue where it's like I think this the real mis- the message here is that like they only have each other. Yeah. And because I mean her father's in an insane an insane asylum, so they don't mm-hmm. they don't obviously associate with him, and it's just they own is from the beginning they are only together, and I don't really think that erica is happy with that and by i don't think i mean i know that she's not <laughs> yeah i i ha- i actually i still have a hard time deciding who would have been the instigator for that entire living arrangement whether it would be her mother or whether erica because the more i see this movie the more sympathy i have for erica especially yeah. with the consideration that like her father is mentally ill and her favorite musician is a musician who lost his mind yeah and i believe at one point in the film erica straight up says that she can relate so again i feel like i'm seeing something that i shouldn't be privy to you know i'm seeing something where obviously it's a complicated situation with its own reasoning or the reasoning of each party involved being valid but i'm here making my own conclusions and i know that's unfair but it's like it's a movie. I think that the fact yeah. that a movie can do that is so awesome. Oh, very. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, and so, and now the movie starts. I also like that there's mm-hmm. no music playing in the intro, which is great. And as soon as the, as soon as that ends, we cut to the title card, the mm-hmm. piano teacher, and this classical music just starts playing, and it's just beautiful. And I think mm-hmm. that that's a really good kind of palate cleanser for like the, after the intro, because the intro obviously is like very hard hitting. Yeah. And then you kind of go like immediately to oh, here's some classical music. And it's like, okay, I can, like, give me give me a second to, like, kind of detox <laughs> and and we can move on, you know? Um, so, Isabel Hubert, it plays uh, by, by the title. She's a, um, she's a piano teacher, mm-hmm. um, classically trained, a beautiful player, teaches um, at, a, at a conservatory program and is extremely hard on her students, is very, um, is very much, like, putting the music first, 
um, and very like wants them to do it right. And I love that you can tell her passion. And I think what's great is that they do really like a, it's kind of a really good like kind of artist portrait where when she's describing the music and describing the words, like everything is just like she knows every note, the reason for it, every word and what it means and how it relates. And she's so passionate about it. But it also like shows that because of this passion, when her students don't do it right, she uh, like obviously gets kind of upset. Yeah, she almost seems offended because she seems to take it like very, very personally. And I don't quite have an ear for music. To me, it just sounds like all of her students were talented. Yeah. It's hard for me to um, tell what's good piano playing versus poor piano playing. I think that's a. I think that's kind of the point in a way because, I mean, you to anyone with the outside eye could look at any one of her students and just be like, okay, they are an amazing, an amazing player. Mm-hmm. But because that she has kind of grown up like, I think she's isolated and the only love that she has, at least at this point, is her music. Mm-hmm. And so she's so knowledgeable and that's like the only passion that she has. And because she was so pushed to do it, that she can spot every little thing. And those and one small mistake or small thing that's wrong or whatever, tr- like trumps everything else that was beautiful about it. Yeah. That you need to fix that. And I can't necessarily blame her for having that mindset, but at the same time, like as a as like as an artist, I understand, but as a student, I would like like is it's just insane. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It, it's hard to tell whether or not she's actually. I mean, obviously she's taught her students, but where does that line go from teaching to just being straight up critical? Yeah, and this horrible, like looming presence that stresses you out. I mean, it's a good that there could be a good argument made where you think like, okay, is she doing this for the music or is she doing it for her students? Like, what is mm-hmm. like, what is it? What's in it for her? And you're not really sure because there are a couple moments, you know, obviously in the intro, it seems like it's all about or like the the first scene with her student. It's clear that it's all about the music. And then later on, when she helps her other student, you think it's like, okay, she actually does care about her students. And I think she does. But at the same time, it's just like it's it's a very conflicting kind of feeling, which I I admire. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, as cut and dry. And you don't really get that, that clear of an answer, which I'm which I'm perfectly fine with. Same here. I'm trying to I'm trying to remember what which student is meeting. Is it like the girl that she meets with first or is it some random guy? I believe it's um Anna, that's her name. That that's her first student. That I th- I know that's the name of the the one student that we focus on the most. Yeah, I think it is the one um I mean he's not really a random guy. There's a scene that I don't know if you want me to get into just yet, but I oh, think he's the kid at the the younger male student. Okay, I yeah. think he's the first I th- one. I think you're right. And um but after so yeah after they leave because I, I was thinking of another scene so she leaves and um when she's with i think she's with her mother when they get into the elevator and she runs into um walter Klemmer, who is a um engineering student who is supposed to be 17 oh um, i didn't know that yeah, oh my god he doesn't look 17 i didn't know that i thought at he, all. i thought he was um i thought he was like a um like a 20 year old college th- yeah. student oh my god that's like genuinely shocking to me yeah wow because he, he definitely doesn't look uh, no he at, doesn't he doesn't look at it at all and Acts i mean like re- regardless I, I i would like kind of make the argument it's like okay he's a college student and that he's uh clearly just younger than her mm-hmm. and like I, I think that that's really all that matters i mean because i don't i don't even know if they actually do mention his age at all they don't and i could have sworn they mentioned he was a college student that's why i, thought, I was well, yeah because he's surprised. An, an engineering student um and i like that um 
<laughs> I don't know why, but I actually like this this small moment when they're going up in the elevator and mm-hmm. she doesn't let him in, and so he goes up the stairs and just passes them on every single floor that they walk that Re- they go on. See, when I when I first watched it, I was like amused, but now and i'm not trying to be condescending like you shouldn't enjoy it but like now it kind of gives me the creeps because the first time we're introduced to his character he's literally circling erica yeah like it's very predatory to me that actually is a good point i mean from my from my perspective it's like oh you know on the surface just like oh it's humorous That, Mm -hmm. that is actually yeah that is that is interesting and that's kind of a good um like foreshadow yeah for later for his controlling nature i guess if you want to look at it that way so they automatically well they don't automatically have a connection but they like their relationship starts in a very kind of odd place she um erica has to perform at this recital mm-hmm. which this is an interesting kind of portrait because like this recital like i thought it would be like at like a, a like a hall or like you know like a lecture hall or something like that it's in like someone's living it, room it's a private recital yeah, yeah which i didn't know that was a thing that happened <laughs> i don't know how often it happens with like actually like famous piano players it, yeah but like, in the movie i think they allude to it being like not too common at all anymore uh-huh. they make a comment like the art of private recitals is dying or something like that it's really it's very odd yeah because i mean i think most people it, it, it you just don't see like something like that like happening very often yeah. so it's a very interesting setting and he and walter meets uh, meets her there and was um very um like kind of in love with her piano playing was like oh and what is her favorite who's it schubert schubert oh uh, not sure if i'm saying that right yeah schubert uh, um showman and schubert um those were her two her two favorites um and they start talking and he becomes infatuated with her and says like oh i'm you know i'm a big fan of schubert as well and i love that she is like she like isabel hubert gives a very like she I think we need to say like this is one of the best performances from an actress that I've probably ever seen. I, agree. I think I think someone can look at this performance and just be like, oh, she's just like kind of plain faced and whatever. But I think that the fact that she's so indifferent and there's so much behind, there's so much subtext that is clearly seen that you need to interpret mm-hmm. makes it just incredible. And I, I think you can't just look at it and be like, okay, she's plain faced. There's nothing there. There's a ton there, and it speaks volumes even though nothing is said. I agree. There's so many long shots of just her face. Yeah. While somebody else could be talking to her, it's not doing a uh, back and forth cut between whoever's talking at the time. It's just focusing on her so often. And again, the more that I've watched the film, and it's a foreign film, so you have to read the subtitles, but I've I've found that the last couple of times I've watched it, I'll kind of ignore the subtitles and just watch her face because that introductory scene between her and Walter... You know, it's the first time we're in- we're getting introduced to his character, but it's almost again like not a lot of focus is put on him. It still yeah. remains on Erica. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I like that she, when they're talking about Schubert, she just like immediately just kind of undermines him. He, he, she's totally like, gatekeeping. He, yeah, she's like, you're you're wrong. Like this is not what he thought. And like you just you know are you like what's what is your reasoning for doing this? You know, you're an engineering student and you're just doing it to get girls or whatever. Yeah. Which is a good which is good that she kind of sees through it like kind of instantly. I yeah, I think she picked up on him really quick and yeah. she makes comments about how he, his theatrics are off-putting and it it's without getting too like ahead of ourselves, it's frustrating to see her go back and forth between knowing exactly like what he's about to feeling like infatuated with him and then kind of forgetting that she already came to the conclusion of who he is yeah and 
you, you kind of like when in he when he plays, it's it, he steps up and plays a piece, and it's it's very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but you kind of get like it, it's interesting because you kind of get like on his side a little bit, and you're it just just a little bit. Like I mean, if you watch from my perspective of watching it, you know, one time, mm-hmm. it's like okay, this guy he seems like you know he's charming. He kind of has he seems like he has good intentions. It's clear that he's infatuated with her, but I think like you know he's trying to be it that's somewhat you know genuine but i like that she's very indifferent at first and just is like kind of like putting it off Mm -hmm. because then you can see like you can track her progression because it's clear that like you know through scenes that we see later or like coming up that um when erica goes to to watch like pornography and she's just Mm -hmm. sitting there watching it and she it's very clear that she has this hidden like insecurities and is very very sexually repressed Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that that scene comes like immediately after the recital because like throughout the the first like three scenes here you think okay she's just very hard hitting and she's very stern there's like no getting through to her but really she has so much um, like repressed and that she can't let out yeah it's like it's actually getting to her yeah and I also like the I don't know juxtaposition I guess of at that recital and like you said it immediately cuts from this classy private recital at this classy apartment with like ancient instruments to a viewing booth at an adult video store in the mall and something that is not as classy so at the recital when walter's playing again we're getting a long shot of erica's face and she's basically studying him yeah and then the next scene when she does go into a viewing booth at an adult video store um i'll get into specifics like she's watching porn while smelling used tissues yeah uh and it again it's just like her face like she it almost looks like she's studying it yeah and i think it's so so cool because you know in this film she's the teacher she's supposed to be the master of a lot of things but it during scenes like that it looks like she is i don't know if learning is the right word well, but, she is kind of like gathering, like or like garnering some form of like, for lack of a better term, research, because yeah. it's clear that she wants to like express those feelings that have been repressed for many, many years. Yeah, that's a good and, way to put it. But doesn't have any outlet for it. And to go back to your uh, comment on juxtaposition, you have yeah, you have the one aspect of her life, the main one, where it's it's the the music and being a piano teacher and wanting and that driven side of her mm-hmm. um but then there's the other side that no one sees um mm-hmm. ben it's good that it's in a viewing booth because she's all alone whenever she's doing something like sexually speaking on the other than like the drive-in thing uh, yeah she's she's, <laughs> she's she's by herself spe- specifically that one mm-hmm. she's just completely alone with her feelings and thoughts and she doesn't feel like you know she feels isolated and she can't really let that out and then there's that scene i think is like kind of immediately after that when she is in the bathroom and which is like which is a great long take which is like three minutes long or something like that where she's cutting herself yeah i don't know like i don't know what like what is the okay i'm pretty sure and i I think you're right i think it is immediately after because she goes home afterwards and yeah i think it's supposed to be that night um she i believe that the book clarifies she's cutting her vulva with uh-huh. a small razor blade that she keeps in her pocket, which is horrifying. But the more that, I, again, that I've seen this film, the more that I appreciate, like, it was done so well because we can kind of garner an idea of what she's doing. But 
um, <laughs> not to name drop any other directors, but last time I was watching this, I was thinking there's certain directors I have in mind that are known for art house that like I'm sure would have no qualms with showing it full on, uh-huh. like full on like razor two genitals, uh-huh. and but what we get is a static shot that's kind of from farther out and it's a long take and we only see the blood go down her leg yeah and her wash it away and it's all very methodical you know we get the sense that this is a regular thing for her and i almost wonder if it's almost like a sense of sexual relief for her because another thing is for as i wouldn't say the film is laden in pornography or dripping with sexuality or anything like that but it is a study of it yeah but we never see her masturbate we never see anything like that but we do see her harm herself yeah so i almost wonder if that's like her way of i mean for lack of a better term getting off um it sure seems it but it's done so i almost want to say respectfully because it again it, it doesn't feel exploitive or it doesn't feel like look at this weirdo or this masochist yeah, it's kind of, I mean, uh, like, I, I think it's, you know, you can look at something and say, like, okay, this character is a sadomasochist, and you're kind of, like, by kind of human nature, put off by it a little bit. Yeah. But then you think about it, and you, and because you're kind of just put in this world, and this, the way that this is filmed, it doesn't glorify it, it doesn't make it, like, um, oh, feel for this person, like, this is, like, or this is the worst, or, that it's, or, or she's or, sick, or it's so gross, yeah. like, oh my god, it's, like, it's literally something that feels that's this whole movie feels so natural and real that i think that that's the whole point of it it's like this is a glimpse into this person's life they do this and they do it for a reason and you Mm -hmm. have to understand that and you may not like it but you have to understand that in order to get on and you know again with kind of going back to the beginning scene where i feel like i'm watching something i'm not supposed to during that scene where she's cutting herself i felt I felt and still continue to feel each time I watch it like I'm seeing something extremely private that I'm not supposed oh, yeah. to. And it's almost kind of funny because the scene where she's watching pornography, you know, pretty much I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't flinch. I don't think most people would. And that's the only really scene of graphic nudity we get. And it makes me think, too, like, isn't society supposed to view porn as like something we're not supposed to be watching? You know, like something we're not supposed to be privy to. Like we're watching something really intimate and I think the movie pulls off so well something like that and like showing pornography and being like, oh, well, that's just porn. But then showing yeah. something that's so not erotic and so like horrible and painful to watch and being like, oh, I feel like I'm watching something that, you know, this is her personal thing. I yeah. should be watching this. I think uh, what this movie does, like that meant that many others like you know not a lot of movies do is that like it does when she, that scene where she is watching porn it does it is does, it paints it as like intimate yeah it is kind of an intimate moment where she's alone and then when she's in the bathroom you know that's which is the literally like the most private room in mm-hmm. any house it's it's all it is kind of an intimate moment because you are just there you it's only you that you are you are there with her no yeah. one else is with her i think again that's an instance of michael haneke really forcing us to consider what do we deem as private what do we deem as intimate sexually for a character or for a person because um the juxtaposition again choice word for how this is filmed versus how it is in the book in the book that scene where she's cutting herself is described much more urgently i guess and 
much more with the sense of like pain, 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 where you really focus on this. She's doing something that hurts and it describes, you know, blood run, run, runs down the bathtub. And that compared to a long shot where we just see it slowly go down and see her very calmly clean it up. Um, you don't get a sense of like pain or even really relief. It's just something that she does. Yeah. And like right after that, I think is when we like she doesn't she like just like sit and like talk with her mother for like a quick second. But a it's like very very quick second. She goes out and she says to her mom, you know, I'm tired. And her mom sees blood drip down her leg and yeah. she berates her. She's like, Oh, you're disgusting. And her, her mom kind of assumes it's her period. Which when I first saw this film, I thought Erica was doing that to like mimic menstruation. Hmm. So. And maybe that is the reason she does it. Um, That's kind of what I thought, too, but I honestly wasn't sure. Yeah, because I I didn't know if there was something going on with, you know, maybe she doesn't menstruate anymore and Uh wants her mom to believe she does. But I think the movie would have gone more into that. Or maybe it wouldn't have. But, like, it's also clear in that scene when um, that her mother is just kind of very also kind of emotionally abusive in a way oh yeah because she doesn't ask her are you okay she's immediately like is your pig (laughs) extremely judgmental very like is big on criticism and is and that's just so frustrating that's when you really feel for um erica because you like you you know that you would like absolutely hate being in that situation too Mm -hmm. and you just don't you want nothing to do with it and you know that she doesn't either following this this is when we get to meet um anna the um her most kind of prominent student that we see in the movie and she's a very good player but she has problems with the solo and you know it was and with nerves yeah exactly and they were saying like okay she can't play in the recital and that kind of broke her down and but then they say like you know just keep practicing and maybe we can get to it and that was kind of a moment where i was like okay maybe she does like you know she i think part of it is that she sees herself in this little girl i agree i think like this kind of adds this overall theme of um like expectations because her mom expects her to be a certain way um um, erica's mom expects her to be a certain way and then anna's mom kind of expects the same thing yeah and i was reading something recently that was like it was it was kind of saying that like they kind of mirror each other in a way like you know i think erica sees um sees anna as like okay i was kind of the same way as when i was your age yeah and um kind of worried for her and wants her to be perspective and i think that's where her care for her this is where we see like the care for her student um come out a little bit where she's like i'll give you another chance but you have to you know you have to practice a little bit and again that dynamic of erica's mother because at the beginning of the film uh erica's talking about anna the the younger student and she's saying she has an affinity for schubert schubert and erica's mom immediately is like that's your forte don't let anybody infringe on that or step Uh on it not even a student and as a teacher you're supposed to want your students to grow and reach a point where i don't know they're level with you so i i agree that the first time i saw it i was like oh wow she does care about her students like she can be gentle but yeah that doesn't last for not not very long (laughs) um but it's i think it is clear that she does kind of see um that and her mother is also very like hard-hitting on anna and it's and she it is pushing her like i mean you see like a lot of that's another thing like a lot of people can relate to a lot of parents are like that not all but a lot of parents like especially of like uh, parents of of some artists and then parents mm-hmm. of like kids in sports are yeah. very like 
or, or pageant eyes on, moms. Eyes on the prize. Uh, pageant moms. Eyes on the prize. Don't let anything persuade you. No one is going to help you other than yourself and me. Go for it. And I think that that's what... I think that kind of scares Erica a little bit. Like, because it's like, oh, it, it, it's kind of coming back. Yeah. Also, during this lesson, um, Walter comes in and says, oh, I'd like to um, audition for your master class. And <laughs> this is kind of interesting because I think that this is kind of the moment for... Erica, where she's like, you just, why do you keep showing up? Like, why, like, what, what, like, why are you here? Like, you know, stop, like, are you really getting anything out of this? You know? Yeah. And again, she sees right through him. She's yeah. instantly like, I hope you don't think that your theatrics of interrupting me during a lesson will make me, like, want to put you in my class even more or yeah. make me mistake that for enthusiasm for the music and not for just, like, the lesson. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I also love the scene that follows that when that the master class auditions and it mm-hmm. starts with this one girl slamming the door and she's just weeping. Oh man, it's that like, broke oh, my yeah. heart. It's like, yeah, she's just so brutal. Like, yeah. Like the panel is like, so you have Erica and then like five other professors and it's clear that like mm-hmm. the five other professors are kind of the people that are like, kind of like us as the audience, mm-hmm. you know, we can look at someone and be like, oh yeah, this is really good. Like I'm liking this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Erica will be like, well, her uh, middle finger isn't like hitting it hard enough. So <laughs> yeah. we shouldn't like, you know, give her, um, but she, but they respect her more than anyone. And I love the scene when Walter comes in and starts playing because obviously it's very beautiful and they're all kind of mesmerized by it. And, um, they like him, but you can see that it's filmed in three shots, you know, from the distance of just Erica's perspective. It's like mm-hmm. far, like a mid shot close up and then extreme close up of her face yeah. as he's playing. I think what's great about that is obviously she's focusing on him, but she's also kind of, you can kind of see the gears in her head turning. Like maybe this is the outlet that I need and maybe he can actually fill that void regardless of whether, um, you know, I actually like really love him. I think this is what, like, he can, like, help me. This is my chance. Yeah. Yeah. And I love your comparison of the other professors to the audience, because as soon as Walter's done playing, they all applaud his skill. And Erica's the only one to point out, yeah, he's skilled, but what are his true motives? And um, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, I don't quite have an ear for music when it comes to determining, like, what's good versus bad on a piano. But... Uh, with the professor's enthusiasm of like, oh, he's great. Let's say yes. It made me think of my experience as the viewer. Like, yeah, he's talented. Mm-hmm. So why not have him in a, in a yeah. master class when it's something that he's kind of mastered? So he gets in. You know, he was pretty happy about it and at their first lesson. Um, you know, they have this kind of discussion about like, you know, do you? I don't really think that you need to be here. Like, what's the point? And he's just trying to be mm-hmm. suave and like charming or whatever. And um on the surface, it doesn't work. Like, I think him, <laughs> no. what he's saying is just like, is just kind of lost on her. But I think, you know, that just kind of, this is kind of one of those things where it's like each moment on its own is clear that it's not really having a big effect on Erica, but mm-hmm. it, saves, it saves for later and each thing builds on top of each other and is like, okay, from these past experiences, I do want to do something and we should act on it later when they're in the bathroom. But yeah, he... He's immediately coming on very strong. I, If I remember correctly, that first lesson is when he's like, I haven't been able to stop thinking about yeah. you, and I mm-hmm. only applied for your class because of you. And it it brings me back to the recital from earlier, where Erica's mother points out like that, that 
Clemmer boy. He's a clingy one, isn't he? And I think that's a phrase that Erica brings up, like, to Walter's face. Like, you're being clingy. And uh, this doesn't quite... It's not really present in the scene, but throughout the context of the film, Erica's mother is a clingy mother. So her looking at a potential romantic partner and being like, no, you're clingy. I'm able to make that distinction. But it almost seems like she's able to make that distinction in her personal life as well with her mom, but Mm -hmm. doesn't actually voice anything to stop it. You know, it seems like she does feel she has way more autonomy over her romantic desires or lack thereof. That's that's pretty interesting because I think that if, you know, she doesn't have a way like to oppose her mother where it's actually kind of effective. Yeah. But with her, you know, her students or um, anything like anyone else, she is able to kind of have that out that um, that outlet and just like go against before. It's kind of like a defense mechanism. You know, they mm-hmm. do it. She does it before they can do it. Yeah. And but I almost wonder how much of it is a power play because. I believe the immediate scene after that first lesson, I I might be a little out of order, but I think that's when she sees her her younger male student at a like a porn stand, basically. Yeah, I think that's that I th- scene. Uh, yeah, it is. And she calls him out straight up, and he's with his friends, and she's like, "Hello, Mister So and So, like, how are you?" And that poor kid, like, it's got to be so embarrassing, but. I, I wonder when I watch it, like, why did she do that? Because she's there, too. You know, yeah. it'd be equally embarrassing for her, um, for some people, at least. That's another really good theme that's throughout this movie is kind of power mm-hmm. and um, dominance over another person. Yeah, I definitely think she did it for a power play. And the fact that during their next lesson, she brought it up constantly and needlessly, yeah. too. And just kind of like, and he just left. Yeah, like, hey, I know this thing that you want to be a secret. Mm-hmm. So I I, th- I think it's power play and yeah and she's like do you think that like like are you a pig or something like that yeah yeah she, um I think again she's sharp like she gets it she oh, yeah. brings up um because he apologizes and she goes what are you sorry for that um you're a pig or that women are the bitches that made you a pig like it's their fault and she's got a really good I don't know if understanding is the word I want to use but. She's like she's she's a very good like reader of people. Like, she, she, can, she is, yeah. Um, and you can see it like in the power play of like wanting to be dominant because like they're like her and her mother are kind of constantly at a stalemate. Like mm-hmm. no one is kind of it, it almost like they they can't one up each other. Like they mm-hmm. can't get past each other, and the dominance between Walter and Erica go, goes back and forth. In the beginning, it's mm-hmm. all Erica, and then as we go on, it's Walter. Yeah. Um, so Anna gets the to play the solo um, in the recital, which is great. Um, she's having you know some difficulty with the singer, um, but then when we actually get to the recital, um, at the rehearsal for the the recital, Anna is late. You know, which everyone's like, "Are you crazy? Like, why are you like you're showing up late?" And it's just like <laughs> the singer is so theater. He's like, "I don't know if I can work under yeah, these conditions. Like, I, I just, I, I just can't. I just can't do it. I don't think I can do it." It's like, dude, shut up. All right, and um. And it just like, and she's just like kind of like beaten down, and she's mm-hmm. like gonna like break down. It's like okay, this I, I'm not gonna be able to do it, and and it's also clear that like you know Walter goes over and talks to her, and it's like you know it's gonna be okay. Excuse me, it's gonna be okay. And it and then this was a scene that was a little like 
I'm not sure where this is going. And then the payoff was like, whoa. Yeah. I, and she, so she goes down to, um, like the to, coat room, to the coat room and picks up like a, like a glass or something like that and smashes mm-hmm. it and puts it in, uh, the pocket, which I thought. Anna's I pocket. Uh, yeah. Anna's pocket, which I thought that it was Eric, like her own pocket, which confused me because like their coats are exact, like look exactly the same. So I was like, what is like, what, why is she yeah. doing that to herself? With like They're similar looking. Yeah. But. And I was like, what is she, this is kind of weird, like, what is she doing? And then later on, she, um, Anna puts her hand in her pocket and, like, you know, she's... She's maimed. Yeah, and it's like, oh my god, like, I didn't, I was not expecting it. Like, honestly, like, I, it was just so out of left field to me. But, yeah. re- I mean, really, like, when you think about it, it isn't. But I just, well, it was just like, whoa. Well, especially since that's the one student that she did seem to have a sort of tenderness towards. Yeah. And you think, you know, she sees herself in the student and then uh-huh. instantly that's just broken down because she has no qualms about ruining her career for piano. Part, part of me thinks that, I mean, like when I first saw it, I was like, oh, it's because she's, you know, she was talking to Walter and she's jealous and like all of mm-hmm. that. And obviously Walter would probably like her because of the way she plays and all of this. And she wanted to stop that. But then also if you go down the theme of, you know, what we were talking about earlier with the the, with her mother and like how she sees herself in that that student um maybe it's like <clears throat> and i know this has been this has been said before in in a in an article but like she did it to kind of prevent her life for from ending up like erica's you know she didn't she didn't want anna to kind of be the same because she saw that that was like her as, as it was exactly like her as a child and maybe yeah. doing that and kind of stopping her talent or something like that would change the course and kind of for the better. That's an interesting point of view because um, it's never outright said, but we definitely get the impression that Erica spent most of her life just focusing only on the music. Mm-hmm. And after Anna is again maimed, her mother straight up says, you know, she spent all these years just focusing only on the music. And so that's an interesting point of view of like, yeah, now. That she, she can't focus just on music yeah, and and this is also like where i was like oh my god these people are like they're not that good people oh, but, no. the, but <laughs> i think what's great about this movie is that it it showcases characters that are flawed but not flawed in like like they're purposefully flawed to make them more realistic yeah and at the same time it's like you're doing this awful thing but I'm still with you for some yeah. reason. And another thing is uh, it, that's kind of a motif, I guess, of Michael Haneke's films where his characters aren't. Well, there's some movies where they're clearly bad. I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, this is kind of relevant. They don't look like bad people. You know, they're doing these crazy things and they're these super like classy well-read cultured individuals doing things that you would usually only associate with i don't know scummier people like going to a viewing booth and sniffing dirty tissues or watching a couple have sex and totally like infringing on their privacy Uh or injuring other people stuff like that but and it takes place like all this takes place at like a conservatory or this really nice upscale apartment. Yeah, and... it does kind of have like a um, a loss on kind of like the every like the the settings are very upper middle class or higher class that mm-hmm. you could see, but the situations and the 
the character pieces are very you know true to form I feel. yeah and this scene with the whole uh the glass and cutting thing that too was the turning point where i was like wow walter is not a good character uh-uh. because the normal reaction would be to think oh wow this woman harmed a young girl because she was jealous that i was talking to her what a psychopath i should stay clear uh-huh. but he follows her into the bathroom yeah and- i think because i think that that i think like maybe the ballsiness of it or like her it's still it is in like kind of in the simplest form like an act of passion yeah and maybe that still brings it i also think it feeds into his ego yeah like the more that i watch this movie the more i hate walter as a character and i think it feeds into his ego of like I think, she was willing to do this mm-hmm. for me he's a well i mean he's obviously a bad person but i still think he's a well-written character oh, and like definitely. works well because i mean i think he got these the sense that she did it because she was jealous and Mm -hmm. that was like okay now she likes me and now i can like do my move and the whole bathroom scene is like you know five or minutes of just this uninterrupted long take that's just oh my god it's it is a beautiful beautiful shot yeah and with the bathroom scene you know she like she gives him head Uh and we don't see any of it It, it's Uh so it's shot so tastefully and it's kind of funny because i was watching um, a commentary that Michael Haneke gave on sex and films. And he he said straight up that there's only a few films he can think of where sex is done, like, right, or it's not done for... This isn't verbatim what he said, but it's not done for, like, flashy purposes. Like, uh-uh, yeah. look, come see this on film. One of the films that he cites as having done sex correctly is solo or 120 days of sodom which oh, i'm not sure <laughs> yeah i know i know uh, of it but i think ooh. yeah that's a very interesting um way to pinpoint it it's an interesting example because that's a film that i think is extremely graphic and yeah. hard to watch but he when michael haneke does sex on film between erica and walter um we don't see any of it really uh-uh, yeah it's very um it's another thing it takes place in a bathroom again which is like you know the a very intimate room um and or like personal room i guess you could say private and um it's it's like we said it's very natural but it's very awkward like i mean like that's kind of like a testament like you know you know sex can just be awkward Mm -hmm. um it's it's incredibly intimate and you know he is trying to like he he wants it to be much more like personal and like you you know kissing and all of that but you know she is just like okay just let me you know let me focus don't do this you know don't do this and um it's it is a very um it's kind of tough to watch at some points, but at the same yeah. time, it's like, this is so beautiful. But at the same time, it's just like, oh my God, like I, I like, I, I feel like I just shouldn't like be looking. Yeah. Watching it. I wonder how much of it is. And by it, I mean, Erica being like, like, look at me, let me do it. Don't kiss me. I play the rules like, yeah. or I set the rules. Um, I wonder how much of it comes from that power play and wanting to be mm-hmm. the one in power. She's definitely much more dominant in this in this scene yeah for sure but i wonder how much come of it comes from that or how much of it comes from uh the only familiarity that she seems to have with sex is from porn like i i very much got the impression that she's a virgin and i got the impression I thought so too yeah that when she was doing all this with walter it was her first time doing everything and i just thought it was interesting that you know immediately she jumps right into these crazy like again power dynamics of like no look at me and it's, it's not about us it's about the act itself yeah 
mm-hmm. which almost seems kind of like how she views music. Uh-huh. Like, it's not about me, it's about the music. Yeah. And so that is like, it just goes on and on. And not like an on and on, but like, like oh my God, like, let's have it, like, it, be done with it. But it's like, it just keeps going. And then that, like, is like, okay, this is the start of their relationship. Like, let's, um, you know, he is much more into it. And mm-hmm. he is like, he's persistent. He's like, let's, like, we need to, you know, I, I, it's it's it is increasing and he just wants it to be like an actual relationship well, he's very condescending i feel because right afterwards um with the bathroom scene he says to erica you know like we can get better practice will make you perfect and i i've always wondered like i wish we could get into erica's head how she was feeling when he said yeah. that because again she's played the teacher role for so long mm-hmm. and i feel like that's the role she wants to have in this relationship as well but she literally can't because it seems that she hasn't had sex and also yeah. she's never been in a relationship so yeah and she writes a letter to him saying like yeah. what she wants and he doesn't read it automatically and it takes him like you know a, a little bit but like he's much more focused and he i mean in any relationship you know what you want and what you, it's 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 a selfish act so i can't blame either one of them for that because i mean mm-hmm. that's just how it goes in a relationship but it's clear that he wants to be the dominant force and wants to like we should do it this way you know we should do it this way but then you know her demands um after they go out and when they come to her apartment i, I think it's not that we forgot about the drive-in scene because we've been referencing it but i forget uh, where it falls and i, I don't remember I say where it, it comes falls. right after the bathroom scene i thought it was before but no, that you're right that it is. Um, that's another one where it's like, okay, now it's that's kind of different because you're watching. She's watching someone in the actual act, but then they catch her, so it's not yeah. as intimate and not as personal as you know she would think it is. Yeah, which um, is kind of a different switch. It's definitely that was another scene where I was like shocked because again, yeah. you're you're watching uh, someone of very high class be literally a peeping tom and watching this young couple have sex in their car and she's like urinating during it and it's super perverse yeah and uh, and like you said she gets chased and she's actually caught and it seems to be the only well eh, next to the ending but one of the only sequences in the film of her fulfilling like one of her sexual desires or fantasies where again that power is kind of switched uh-huh because immediately she's caught and chased away and berated yeah and when she gives gives walter the letter when they're at the, her apartment her mother is very like you know come like who is this boy like this guy again like what the fuck like you know and don't go back there like what are you doing yeah they they go into what erica refers to has her room even though that's not the room that's not she her sleeps room because she doesn't want to know she doesn't want him to know about the about her mother yeah and says like you have to read read this out loud <clears throat> and she he's very persistent and he wants like you know we just gotta do this and he's like you she's like you will sit here and you will read my letter out loud and she wants to know his thoughts in real time and the letter is extremely descriptive about what she wants and it involves like it like uh like mixtures of like bdsm and like sadomasochism it's like it's a bunch of things all together that i think she's kind of collected in her head or kind of fantasized about from the years of like you know watching you know she's like watched porn before and i kind of being like repressed that she's just yeah. had these thoughts i got the impression that a lot of it was influenced by pornography and i'm and i'm not saying that you can't know your own desires without acting on them first but like you said because she's just so repressed and she's going so quickly into it 
like it's not at all a healthy dynamic of a new uh, relationship no and I, I think it's very off-putting for him that he doesn't that he's like i can't like i can't do it and he's like you know hit me and she's like you know you hit me hit me hit me and um this is the power switch now he is on top mm-hmm. and i think he is for the rest of the movie and she is saying like it like i think now she's being much more <clears throat> i think her indifference kind of just goes away now i now i really want you like i i like i thought i had it's kind of one of those things where it's like okay if you if you give something to someone that that it kind of seems inconsequential mm-hmm. it's like okay whatever but then um if you take it away from them they want it back because it's yeah. theirs and it kind of seems like you know she feels like she she wants to keep this going but she doesn't want it to go away and now it's clear that as it's going away she's like no it'll be okay like, let's get back you know like do what you want like it'll yeah. be okay it, it breaks my heart honestly because she does. really is so enthusiastic about it you know she has a little box under like the sofa in that bedroom of bdsm type of tools yeah and she's so like eager she's like you can choose what i wear and as you said it's obvious that he's so not into it uh-huh. and but again he's a jerk about it he he's is. so mean oh, no he's it's it's just not just mean it's literally like abusive and awful like he is like I, I don't remember if he leaves and then comes back i think he does but like he like throws her against a wall and is well like... that's the end of the film oh, okay the very end well because one thing i do want to point out is the letter is very, very long, uh-huh. extremely long, because it's written in very small script, and it's like five pages, so he only reads a fraction of it out loud, and what we as the audience do here is pretty, like, crazy, but yeah. a lot of the stuff from that point on, when he's being so mean to her and berating her in public, too, I almost wonder, was that in the letter? Is he kind of fulfilling part of Erica's desires? That is interesting to think about. Well, I mean, when he comes back at the end, because he, I, I remember now, he does leave, and she's mm-hmm. trying to like keep him, but she, like she goes to see him after he plays a hockey game. Right, right. I've, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. And, yeah. And they try to have sex there, but it just doesn't work, and she's very persistent. She, and I, yeah, she she vomits, mm-hmm. and I think this is when when I was first watching it, I thought that the movie was going to end there. I don't know why. Well, I was just like, but then it'd be like, okay, it doesn't. It really, it's not really a complete story if it ends there. That shot of her going out onto the ice is beautiful. It is really. That's good, my yeah. favorite shot in the movie. But you know, she in that scene because I think it's an important one. She tries to give him head, mm-hmm. and she vomits. And I think you know immediately Walter says, "I must really be so disgusting," and mm-hmm. he's being so rude and terrible, so and, selfish. Yeah. Yeah, and. I saw it as Erica just having so many feelings because in an earlier scene with Walter, she says flat out, I have no feelings, get that into your head. But I think she's a really, really emotional person. And oh, extremely. Isabel Hooper, Hooper mm-hmm. <laughs> her performance really shines through in Erica is this character that insists that she has no feelings and tries to show it. But as the film progresses and that veneer of being jaded starts to crack yeah it's so subtle it's not i'd say the only real instances of it that we get are you know when she vomits like during Mm -hmm. i think it's all it's it's kind of all like rushing like to her at like one point and this is like kind of more this is much more out of passion than the bathroom scene kind of was this is like this is what she really wants and all of her emotions and like everything are kind of and now sexual feelings are hitting her at one point like a train yeah and i think that um 
and that and mixed with like kind of the secrecy of what they're doing and yeah. kind of like how it's not good like i mean like the idea of just like doing it in like a public area mm-hmm. kind of that i think that is what makes her vomit and i again i see her as a student almost <clears throat> i i love yeah. just how much the, the title plays into just the entire because she's the piano teacher but she's almost like a student with not even relationships but just this world of sexuality which is a world that everybody has but she's yeah. never been able to explore because uh it kind of mirrors when she's talking to anna about you got to have nerves to be a pianist you know anna's late to the concert because she has diarrhea and she says you know you you need strong nerves to do this and it almost seems that erica i don't want to say she messes it up because it's not like she can help puking but she doesn't have the nerves for it she doesn't have the nerves to go through with it yeah and she um it's it's kind of a lower point for her in her i think in her mind that she like she kind of she probably just sees it she sees it as like her fault and Mm -hmm. like i ruined it and it's just it's done and then then he comes back to the apartment and i think that if you want to go off of that idea that you were talking about like i mean he throws her against the wall and is like mercifully beating her yeah he kicks her in the face yeah and is like this is and locks her mother in the bathroom and like this is another really great one like one take or it's like three minutes long of him just like laying on top of her or something like that yeah he rapes her or at least i'd say it's rape because yeah again we i don't want this to sound bad but we don't see what's in the letter all of it Uh because part of me wonders you know is this a consummation for erica is this what she wanted all along and either a it doesn't live up to expectations or b this is just how she would be in the situation but she didn't know it because she's never been in it but i almost wonder if in the letter if that whole scenario is something that she mapped out i think if you go i don't i maybe but i also think that he is kind of filling her desires but i was thinking it was on a much more extreme level because i think definitely in the in the letter obviously it was saying like you know be you know be the dominant for like you know like hit me or like whatever and now i think my in my head it was like he was taking that to the extreme and showing her that what she was doing was wrong or what she felt was wrong and that it was disgusting and so he took that and i it was it kind of felt like he was just like feeding into what she wanted but kind of being the opposing force at the same time and no matter what it wasn't in like a safe or loving context in the slightest yeah again with michael haneke presenting to the viewer things that we kind of have seen before because yeah. i i feel like for as hard to watch as the scene is it almost does kind of fulfill the trope of you know that movies have played of you know the first time somebody has sex it doesn't always go the way they expected it or thought of it and it turns it up to like this extreme level of it's not just sex it's violent horrible rape which erica made it seem like she had wanted Mm -hmm. but again it it didn't live up to it at all or it didn't go out how she expected at all and she ended up not liking it which is definitely something that can happen in real life Uh yeah and i i love the it's just so that that shot is like just so it's intimate but this is and even then this is the least intimate it's the most uncomfortable and you're just like it it keeps going and it's like Mm. like i said earlier each shot in this movie goes on for exactly as long as it needs to this shot is like you know if it's just even if it's three minutes each second is filled with with something 
and it needs to be that long. If it was any shorter, it would it just wouldn't feel right. Yeah. It would just feel kind of rushed. But the, the yeah. fact that they take their time and really show you the depths of these of these people, then it just adds to it. Yeah, because too, because also Walter he's saying during you know while he's assaulting her, you got to give me some pull here. Like this is a two way street. It's not. It can't just be about me. And it's this weird dissonance where it seems like he's trying to do this for her, but also he's just acting out of the selfish desire, I feel, to be in power, Yeah. but not in the way that she wants him to be in power. I don't know if that makes sense, and it sounds convoluted. I no, think... I know. I, I, I totally, like, I, I get what you mean, and like I said, this is the definite, like, there was the power switch in the bedroom, and it has mm-hmm. kind of stayed forced till the end of the movie where Walter is the dominant figure, and I think that he's kind of one of those people, at least it seems like, who wants and needs to be the dominant figure. <clears throat> That's really who he is, because at first, when he first meets her, is kind of at her will and kind of wants to bring her in, and but now it's now he has to feel like he's proving like that he's on top, and yeah, which is it just makes it even more disturbing. And again, with expectations, usually in entertainment, the relationship of younger man older woman is played completely straight it's like she's the one that knows everything you yeah. can teach him a few things and i just love that because that's what i expected going into this film i expected a lot more plot having to do with that yeah but that's not what it is at all <laughs> it's completely different yeah um and then the and we have the two final scenes so he leaves mm-hmm. and she goes into her bedroom laying with her mother and her mother is just kind of like word vomiting all this like you know you know why did you be with him like the x y and z like why'd you do this and i like and doesn't she like kind of turn at the end where she's just like you know i still love you or something like that like what does her mother exactly say when she when they're laying in the bed i think you're about to bring up one scene are are you gonna bring up the scene where she kisses her mom yeah uh that doesn't happen after the rape oh that happens more towards the middle of the film i think oh i know exactly where it happens okay when she first shows Walter the letter and he completely shuts her down and he's oh, like, you're disgusting, okay. your desires are disgusting, and he leaves. Poor Erica is like, just so totally like heartbroken and also mentally unstable, clearly, uh-huh. that when she goes to bed with her mom that night, she try- she rolls on top of her mother and kisses her and is uh-huh. like, I love you. And that's what you brought up when her right. mom is like, I love you too, but not like this. Yeah, that and was kind you're of... Sick. That was kind of a... That was the biggest shock for me in the movie. Same here. Because, I mean, the glass thing was, like, you can at least kind of put it together if, like, because she's put... You can see her putting it... Like, that was just... You did not expect her to do that. Yeah. At all. And I think it just shows, like, how the years of repression and isolation with her mother alone yeah mixed together is a deadly combination. Yeah. And Erica thinking that finally she has that outlet being walter and then that's shut down and it it just so Mm -hmm. accurately like portrays the feelings of you got it all worked up in your head and then now that's not how it's going to be so now how do you deal with it Uh and you know with erica she'll she deals with it in like a very unhealthy way by like taking that out on her mom well she because it's like it's her only outing at this point it's like yeah you're the only person i know and i do like love you but like you know this is just how I have to let it out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, her mom's like, I love you, but just not like that. Yeah. Her mother takes it surprisingly well. <laughs> she she really does. And her her mom never brings it up again. 
And yeah. after Erica is assaulted and her mom hears the whole thing towards the end, again, her mother doesn't bring it up the next day, even mm-hmm. though Erica's visibly bruised. Oh, yeah. So I think... And she's on her way to the recital, right? Yes. And she talked, and when they get there, she talks to her, to Anna's mom. She's like, who would do such a horrible thing? Like, oh, about, about Anna's hand, or am I missing something? That happens uh, way earlier. That happens right after, or a scene or two after Anna... Like um, that glass thing actually happens. Yeah, yeah, then that's when Erica is speaking to Anna's mother, and Anna's mother says, "Whoever did this should have their hands chopped off." Right, and right. That's what it's kind Erica's of mom says at the very beginning after she hits her. Like, you should have your hands chopped off. Mm-hmm. And she's a pianist, so like you said, it is ironic. Yeah. But that's when Anna's mom says, "We sacrifice so much," and Erica shuts her down straight up. She says, "Anna sacrificed so much. Not you. You said we. It was Anna." And that definitely made me think Erica has been in a similar position with her mom being the one to be like, we sacrificed everything. And then she has, um, so she has a knife in her purse and she wants to, I guess she has some form of like acting revenge and she wants to get the upper hand on Walter. I think that's kind of the, if we're going on that line of the power play. I can't wrap my head around the ending, honestly, even after like five viewings. Here's my idea. So he... So he walks by and he's like, oh, good luck, Professor, and just kind of, it's kind of a backhand thing. Yeah. And then she takes the knife and stabs herself and then just walks out and leaves and that's where the film ends. And I think it's a very kind of um, haunting ending, which is interesting that that scene took the longest to film because they did it like 30 times or something like yeah, that. Yeah, a lot of takes. And it's that's a really good um, moment of acting because she, you can totally tell she's just defeated and just like is she kind of doesn't feel pain from that. She does for like a second and then it's just like drained. Yeah, because it seems like a, a superficial wound. I don't think it killed her. No, definitely not. Sense. No. But also, I think it's important to um, say that she was going to fill in at the concert. She was supposed to play at that concert, uh-huh. and she stabbed herself and just left. So she's not going to be there. And I think that's also a huge thing for. She was berating Anna for being late, but she's straight up not going to show up to the concert uh-huh. at all. It's I, so out of character. I think, I kind of think that it has to do with, like, now her sexual side is much more important. And, like, now that she's gotten, like, to experience that, the, that and the idea of him kind of being a dominant force still and her mm-hmm. not being able to get the upper hand and kind of forced into this life of, like, recluse. Yeah. I think just kind of makes her forget everything else. Yeah. That's a good. That's a very good interpretation of it because the more that I watch it, I, I think her stabbing herself was tied into her sexual desires. I I feel because it, it was established with her cutting her genitals that that is a form of relief for her or at least something she does regularly. Yeah. So I don't know. I I just yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think it definitely has something like she feels that she should like she can't do anything to um to get the upper hand on him or become the dominant force so she kind of has to accept the the idea of pain but she can only inflict inflict it on herself and that also that she's lost that relationship completely now yeah and she's kind of back where she started yeah i i feel so sorry for her and i almost wonder if we're supposed to though i don't know i i I definitely do personally yeah it's i mean there's definitely things throughout the movie where it's like yeah she's not a good person but you understand her and i think that that's a really great praise of the writing and you know obviously the performances too mm-hmm. i agree so this movie is not something that i can 
100% pinpoint just a, a, a sentence in overall takeaway because we've talked a lot about the themes and there's a lot of obviously sexual repression mm-hmm. expectations teacher from, student from teacher student mother daughter um, from partners and just in relationships in general and um, obviously the power dynamic but I it's it's difficult to me to think about if I could like think of one sentence yeah. to take away like what do, what do you think like the combination of obviously the dangers of sexual repression encouraging sexual activity mm-hmm. and opening yourself up for that to that world the dangers of isolationism of being just kind of in your own world and also the the compromise that needs to go on within relationships yeah i think are all things that are present like that those are kind of the main things i think a pretty main driving force if you were to sum it up in one or two sentences too would be uh it's almost like a cautionary tale for the importance of not i want i want to say putting all your eggs in one basket i think the film also is a cautionary tale of the importance of not having only one of your talents or hobbies be your entire world because with erica music has been her entire world and it's almost kind of stunted her whereas with walter he he's a hockey player he's an engineering student and he's also a very talented musician the importance of i guess like it's important to go out and have those life experiences and not just be kind of alone and also the importance of communication yeah because with walter and erica they're both talented musicians and they're both messed up people but it does seem that walter is more well adjusted and able to socialize better whereas like erica can't i think also there's a there is something to be said if you want to go on the cautionary tale route which i think Mm. is very good that you can't like obviously you can't just be by yourself and you you have to go out and experience things for yourself and with other people but you also when in and you have to make those relationships but you also have to be very clear in those relationships you have to have the um there has to be a compromise and a good source of communication Mm -hmm. you have to lay down what you want and there have to be boundaries and there has to be an understanding of what you want from the other person and what you can do and what you can't do which is very true to life um because that's like the kind of the basis of any relationship yeah and i think the whole theme of boundaries too can also be applied to again uh sort of wrangling in your hobbies and passions and making sure they don't become your entire life Mm -hmm. and don't just maybe just don't take what you can get wait until you can find the because like walter and erica are not good for each other no they're clearly not (laughs) But because that she's this is the first person that she's really been intimate with, you know, she wants it more and more and more. And I can't blame her. But I think the mess, like one of the messages to be said, is that you shouldn't take what you can get. You should take what you deserve. Yeah. And we don't really see what she deserves. We only see what she is given. Yeah. And I also think the virtues of showing restraint mm-hmm. in the face of something that you have repressed forever. Yeah. Because she just immediately jumps right into I have all these desires and you can help me fulfill them because she's been repressed but I think showing restraint and something like that the and progression patience. yeah progression and like you know taking your time and also the and then the expectations of others you shouldn't like expect so much from people um you know don't expect you can't expect she shouldn't have expected Walter to be so willing to do all of this as exactly. well as like her mother to be expect her to be completely perfect and run by the rules of the house or Anna's mother 
expecting perfection from from her daughter and Erica from her students. There has to you have to manage expectations and kind of build from that. So there's a lot that is in this movie. There's a lot that has to be said. Yeah, and I think it would be a massive disservice just to blanket it the film blanket it as a study in female sexuality or uh-huh. women can be perverts too because I've seen that on on the internet. I've seen this movie summed up as that almost. Yeah, and it's not. There's so much more in it and I think that you said um when we talked about it last time that this movie uh like Michael Heineke's movies a lot of them are just like they're made for just the experience of it. Like you want to yeah. know that you're just watching something and maybe we're looking like in- too into it, but I don't think that we are, but it's definitely like this movie feels like it's an experience. I agree 100%. And I, and it just, it sucks you in and you're just, you're there and you're just witnessing something that's completely natural and a world that seems is, is, a, is very much like our own, but not one, an experience that is exactly the same. Whereas, I mean, you can relate it to other experiences, but we obviously haven't had the exact B-for-beat experience as Erica. Yeah. But even then, it's still super relatable. So what are you <laughs> ranking this movie? And I want you to give me a quick sum up as to why. This is like your conclusion. Oh, man. Platinum, honestly. Because you can... Again, it could be blanketed and it could be viewed as just uh, an exploration of female sexuality and it could be simplified, but it's not. And uh-huh. when I watch it, another director could have done it so poorly. It could have been very <laughs> heavy-handed, in-your-face yeah. kind of thing. And I, I think the film, I kind of mentioned this, but I, I think a big theme of it is learning how to have restraint despite being repressed. And that's almost like what the film does. I think it shows a lot of restraint when it could go full-on close-up shots of all this messed up stuff yeah like no discretion at all but it shows a lot of restraint i'm gonna give it a platinum as well because i I was i went in with not many expectations just hoping that it was good and it would it it exceeded it from the performances the direction the cinematography like everything in it just combines to just an an incredible film and obviously from the themes that we said but it does feel like something that like, I mean, I'm all for any film that makes me want to see everything by the director, mm-hmm. like I'm all for. But this movie is one of the most personal movies I had seen. And I think it does it does this very odd job of you mix beautiful and disturbing and it's not like oil and water. It just yeah. mends so well together. And it's not a clear cut and dry movie. You know, it's not it's not in your face. It's not um, all there. Everything just feels natural. And you're supposed to kind of go for it and like interpret it yourself it's not very it's not it's not all there it's i mean it's not all clear yeah and i think that a movie like that deserves praise and more people should see it i agree and i also think a movie like that is rare oh it's extremely rare just just watching it now i think you know 2018 the message of this film could easily be so twisted or so mutated if again done by a different director I I love this movie. I'm so glad you gave it a platinum. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Frankly, I Love Movies. Um, Special thanks to Rihanna. Oh, thank you. If you want to check out all of our uh, other podcasts, you can go on orionvalleyproductions.com and uh, obviously on iTunes. And if you you have any suggestions uh, for me in how to improve or if you want to see a certain movie, let us know and uh, and I'll consider it. 
Tune in in two weeks for another episode with another movie and another guest. Till then, I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies. Movies.